Hey, good morning and welcome uh, Beach Point and uh, to those here and those watching online, maybe perhaps you're on vacation at the pool and I'm jealous that you're watching uh, our service online. I would be at the pool watching or maybe eating chicken wings because that's what I love to eat. So watching the service. So um, my name is Brandon. I get the privilege and the honor to be the middle school pastor here, um, to, uh, you know, uh, leading middle school leaders and students and pointing them to Jesus. Um, for those of you who don't know me personally, I will share a little bit of my, my family and myself. Here's a picture of my family. as my wife, Bonnie, my two kids, Addie and Sammy, and we have a third one coming in November as well. So uh, just like Dave mentioned that he's getting crazy, my life will get crazier uh, when our third one comes. So super excited about that. Hey, I want to open our time with the word of God. It's in John 3, 16 uh, through 18. It says this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son into the world to, to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already because they, because they have not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Would you join me in prayer? Heavenly Father, God, we thank you so much for giving us a special, wonderful gift. Thank you so much, Jesus, to show us who you are and to reveal us as, as a church, as a community of faith who you are, and what you have done. God, I just pray that the, the words spoken will be aligned to your spirit and the movement of your spirit. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. So we're in, in our series, uh, Ride the Wave of Joy, where we're going through the letter to the Philippians. And let me just first say that this letter is an encouraging and an incredible letter from Paul to the church in Philippi not 2,000 years ago, but it also affects us and inspires us and encourages us today. So I want to start us to think uh, about this question. The question is, what do you think, uh, when you think of a person who is joyful, who comes to your mind? Who comes to your mind? Or who do you think lives a joyful life? Give you a couple seconds to think through. Maybe you experience uh, joyful people through celebrities, the status of celebrities. Maybe an influencer on TikTok or uh, Instagram. Maybe it's millionaires. It's the, the, status, the money status, the financial say, stability, and the, the amount of money they have in their bank accounts. And if you're, if I, used, I used to work in the corporate world. Maybe it's the, 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 corp, the executives, the power and the authority. And we maybe have some retired people in here, and you look at, you look at them, and ah, that, that, that group of that retired people, maybe they are joyful. And you maybe are looking for a spouse and having kids, and you look at the photos that I just presented, and you're like, maybe a spouse and two kids and a dog. No, those, that, that type of families, those types of families are joyful. Maybe we, we place this kind of high standard, the standards of a place where what, what we look, that, that joyful people, this, this is what joyful people looks like. 
And you, as you and I have experienced this past year and a half, that the, the, the world gives us a glimpse of what it actually offers, heartaches, pain, frustration, with a sprinkle of happiness in between, and division, and heartaches. And but, but it seems to me, and maybe we can relate, that joy has lost its true meaning. But listen to this, that joy isn't the absence of our problems. Joy is our attitude we carry regardless of our problems. So we're going to dive right in and look at the most joyful people who ever lived while enduring the worst situations. And he's the author of the letter to the Philippians. So if you have your Bible, you brought your Bible with you, turn to Philippians chapter 1. If you're grabbing the Bibles in front of you in the pews, the, the number is 1,178. And as you're turning there, as you're going there, I want to give you a background of Paul and his situation. But Paul was under house arrest, and he's awaiting trial, and that could, that could result in his execution. And some of the things that Paul faced while on the journey to Rome were being shipwrecked and stranded on an island and bitten by a snake. But those things were just roadblocks, not a wall to his passion and mission. Paul had one passion, which is Christ and the gospel. One mission that God called him to, to share Christ and the gospel to the Gentiles and to the Jews. So I want, as I read through this uh, passage, I want to see this big idea that flows from this entire passage. It says, uh, the big idea is this. Joy flows from trusting God's perspective, power, and purpose. So let's dive dive right in. Verses 12. We're going to start at verse 12. He says this. Now I want you to know, brothers and sisters, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard that, uh, and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. And because of my chains, most of the brothers and sisters have become confident in the Lord and dare all the more to proclaim the gospel without fear. Let's pause there and let's see what's happening to Paul. Paul was chained to probably the most elite troops in the Roman Empire. I mean, these type of men could take out Paul in a, in a heartbeat. They could over, uh, the outmuscle Paul, and they probably could execute Paul in that time. Being chained to Paul. And Paul faced, as you know, endured a lot of problems. So this wasn't new. And it was just another one on his list. So here's the first thing I want us to see through this, this, through this passage is that our perspectives change though our problems remain. Our perspective, what we see and what we experience change, though our problems remain. And yes, we all have problems. I have problems. And perhaps some of you have brought your problems with you to this morning. Perhaps you brought someone else's problems with them, with you. It could be health problems. It could be work problems. School problems if you're in, school, or you're in summer school or attending school. Family problems, parental problems. These kind of type of problems and most, maybe financial problems. We brought it with you. So those, are, those are real life problems. And I would never, and I want to be sensitive. I would never, ever try to downplay those problems. But I want us to see that Paul always put Jesus first. 
and it changed his perspectives in his situations. So Paul, I want to also see that Paul's imprisonment may come across as a problem to the early church, so they thought. But Paul's imprisonment actually helped advance, progress the gospel in these two ways. The first one, Paul was able to share the gospel with the guards who were chained to him. These guards were on, in, on shifts, taking shifts after shifts, maybe three or four at a time, hearing Paul share his experience with Jesus and his encounter with Jesus, and also maybe observing him sharing those to others who went to visit him. There was no other choice from the guard's point of view just to be tied to Paul and listen to what he has to say. As a result, the preaching of the gospel among the guards, some believed. And we get this in Philippians chapter 4. I want to share you Philippians chapter 4, starting at verse 21. He, he greets us. He says, greet all God's people in Christ Jesus. The brothers and sisters who are with me send greetings. All God's people here send you greetings. Here, this I want you to see. Especially those who belong to Caesar's household. Household, the guards believed in the message of, of, of Christ and observed Paul's life when tied to him, chains to him. And the second thing I want you to see that the believers in Rome at that time were, uh, it made, him more, they made them more actively proclaiming Christ. It gave them boldness and courage because they saw Paul doing the same exact thing. And they decided to follow that example. I mean, if Paul was negative about his situation, it would have spilled over to the Christians that were there in the Roman Empire. But instead, that gave him boldness and courage. So Paul's preaching, Paul's preach, uh, imprisonment and preaching of the gospel advanced in Rome, which it, it was the cause for his rejoicing and the Christians rejoicing at that time. And we can rejoice now. So everything that we saw, I've mentioned, Paul, everything in Paul's life was to advance God's agenda, even when leaders wanted to capitalize on his imprisonment. So he continued his letter by saying this in verse 15. It is true that some preach Christ out of envy, uh, envy and rivalry, but others out of goodwill. The latter do so out of love, knowing that I am put here for the defense of the gospel. The former preach Christ out of selfish ambition, not sincerely, supposing that they can stir up trouble for me while I'm in chains. But what does it matter? The important thing is that in every way, whether from false motives or true, Christ is preached. And because of this, I rejoice. Yes, I will continue to rejoice. For I know that though your prayers and God's provision of the Spirit of Jesus Christ, what has happened to me will turn out for my deliverance. Let's pause there because it's a lesson. And what is the lesson? Paul shows us that in terms of motivation, there are two types of evangelism happening right now. Envy and rivalry and goodwill. The motives of the two, we don't know. We can't tell. But notice what Paul uh, says. He says, I rejoice because Jesus was proclaimed on all sides. On both sides. 
And that leads us to the next point, that the power is really coming from the message, not the messenger. The message of who Christ is and what he has done. That power that's behind that changes people. Yes, Paul was a great teacher and preacher, but he knew that the power flowed from sharing Jesus and him crucified. To him, all that mattered was that Christ was preached. But in those days, as well as today's age, we, way too often we resented when someone gains traction or distinction or popularity or more followers on your own or social media platforms than us. Maybe way too often that we regard someone as an enemy simply just expressing some, some criticism of us or in our, or in our, in our methods. Yeah, way too often that we treat and we see people differently, sometimes harshly, because they do not do the things we do. Paul didn't care who received the accolades, the credit, the honor, as long as Jesus was preached. He didn't care about the other evangelists or preaching what they said about him. All that mattered is that Jesus was preached. All that mattered to Paul and to us as Christians who believe in Jesus, that Christ was preached and that power gave him, gave Paul the strength and the boldness to continue this letter by saying this in verse 20. I eagerly expect and hope that I would no, in no way be ashamed, but will have sufficient courage so that now as always Christ will be exalted in my body, whether by life or by death. Verse 21, for to me to live is Christ and to die is gain. If, I'm able, if, if I am to go on living in the body, this will mean fruitful labor for me. But what shall I choose? I do not know. I am torn between the two. I desire to, be, uh, do, to depart and be with Christ, which, which is better by far. But it's more necessary for you that I remain in the body. Convinced of this, I know I, that I will remain and I will continue with all of you for your progress and joy in the faith. And he ends it with, so that through my being with you again, your boasting in Christ would account, will abound account, uh, on account of me. Yeah, Paul in this moment has a face to fact that was quite uncertain that he, whether he would live or die. But to him, it made no difference. To him, he understood that he was already crucified. His old life has died. His new life had began, begun when he encountered Jesus. In Galatians, I want to show you Galatians 2.20. It says this powerful message. I have been crucified with Christ. And I no longer live, but Christ lives in me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. And that takes us to the third point, is that God's purpose is far better than our own. Far better than our own. Listen to what Paul said. For to me... To live is Christ. I want to take a moment to maybe ask you uh, in, this, in this moment of, uh, and I want to ask, 
But if it wasn't Christ in your life, what would it be? What are you living for? Maybe to fill in that blank. To live is blank. Maybe perhaps it's possession. Buying things, gathering things, getting things, spend all you can. Maybe it's to live is for pleasure. If it feels good, just do it. Maybe for others is to live is for success. It could be power, influence, position, popularity, followers. Perhaps it is, and this is, I want to be sensitive, to live is for a family, looking for a spouse, having two kids, having a dog. So what is your to live is blank? And once we recognize those things, we can give them up to God. But we are, we are uh, those who are old and young, we have understood that the world has told us that if you, as long as you have these type of things in your life, you will have joy. You will experience joy. But the problem is that we all could see and, uh, and exp- have, have experienced is that possessions, pleasures, success, and false idols, what, they, what do they have in common? They don't last. We can't bring them into eternity. We can't bring them. We, we, we have them. We can enjoy them now, but it won't last. Have you experienced someone who has a bunch of stuff, have, a, have gathered a bunch of stuff? I have experienced they are not joyful people. How about the awards, the accolades, the accomplishments? Are those people really joyful? Maybe. But I want to share with you this morning uh, a group of people that I get the privilege to lead. They are our current middle school leaders. They just took our, our, our middle, school, uh, middle schoolers to camp last month. And, and these are uh, college age all the way to young adults. And they could be doing anything over the summer or even, even in their life. But instead, they understand, and you as well understood, that God's purpose is far better than their own. I mean, the hours they sweat over just being with students and blood and tears, just being and listening to students' problems and situations. The purpose for them and the purpose for all of, maybe for all of us, is to give a glimpse to, the, uh, to them, a glimpse of God's purpose in their life. But even so, with all those, those uh, the, the pictures and the experiences, that's not the secret sauce. That's not the secret of joy. Paul said for this, for to me, to live is Christ and to die is gain. And the only purpose, that, that's the only purpose that makes sense to Paul and even for us who are believers in Christ, that we get to enjoy God's presence through our belief in Christ. But I know I have experienced that the purpose, that, uh, that if we fill in the, the purpose or the void in our hearts, and if, it wasn't, if it's not Christ, then I, I believe that we are experiencing an empty life, an emptiness that, is, uh, that, we, that we fill with stuff. 
maybe an emptiness, a void that we fill with pleasures. Yeah, because I chase after pleasure. I chase after the, the, the I worked in the corporate uh, world. I climbed the ladder. I had success. I had, I had authority. I had power. And I had status. I had all these things once. Because the world told me and lied to me that as long as I had these stuff in my life, then, then you can truly and truly experience joy. But from the outside looking in, I presented myself well. But the, from the inside out, there was an emptiness. And Paul had, uh, Paul, instead, Paul filled his emptiness, his void, his problem with, by focusing on God's purpose. So you might be asking, how did I change it all? Well, I changed it all. It wasn't about behavior. It wasn't changing my behavior. It wasn't changing the clothes I wear. It wasn't about going to church more. It wasn't all these things. It wasn't uh, giving money to charities or other organization. The secret of joy is in Jesus Christ and him alone. Nothing more and nothing less. Being, Paul was content by Jesus and his presence and his message alone that got him through the roughest times. I am, I could say, content and be and filled with Christ. And we all who, who, who got into those moments can say, Christ is enough. Christ is enough. My Lord and my Savior is enough. The, the message of Christ. The message and the power of his resurrection. The life that he, we once lived is no longer ours. It belongs to Christ. And that's the secret sauce of Paul and us as Christians so I want to remind us that joy flows from trusting God's perspective, power, and purpose. I want to leave you with two things. That only Christ can make a difference in our lives. Only the gospel and the power of the gospel can change lives. So I want to encourage you with two things. The first, to look up. To look up. Where does your help come from? If it's God... In your problems and situation and the scenario you're in, ask God for his perspective and power and purpose. Give thanks to God. Give thanks to God, uh, to God for people around you because it gives you, if you look up, it gives you opportunity to look out. To look out. Who has God placed in your life? Who has God surrounded you? It could be life groups. It could be a trusty friend, a trusted friend. It could be family, it could be co-workers. Who has God placed in your life? So as you look up, look out. Because it's a scary place out there when you're going through hard times alone. Reach out to someone today. Let me pray. God, I thank you so much, God. As we continue to worship, God, I pray the words that spoken this from you and you alone that Jesus, the message and the power of your life and the resurrection will give us a glimpse of joy that we can experience in our problems, in our situations. And God, I pray for, uh, for clarity, 
and for purpose to, re, to be the a focus of our minds as our hearts are aligned to you, Jesus. In your name we pray, amen.